always, I am your host, Ryan Engley, joined as always by co-host Todd McGowan. Todd, how you doing? Buddy? I'm good, Ryan. Good to talk to you today. Good to talk to you today. And this is the second in our little mini-series here of, um, I think, uh, Freud's uh, Greatest Hits and then Hipster Picks. <laughs> That's right. <I> <laughs> we're on to the hipster pick now. We're on to the hipster pick, yes. yeah. So today we're going to talk about Screen Memories, which is uh, an 1899 um, essay. Uh, by Freud, where he advances an idea that is close-ish to what he'll eventually develop in his dream theory, but it's not about dreams, it's about memories. And this is um, it's pretty fascinating. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about other uh, times that Freud talks about memory and like a, a, a sort of like th- a mini thread in his own uh, uh, development. But uh, this is just a fascinating essay, isn't it, Todd? A great essay. Just amazing, and I think just so often overlooked. So it's in the standard edition; it comes right before interpretation of dreams, yes. and it's just so. Why would you, why would why you would read you read it? it? And I think most <laughs> yeah, people right. ignore those anything that comes before interpretation. That that other than studies mm-hmm. on hysteria and the project for scientific psychology, I think. So I think you know which was unpublished, which was unpublished, uh, right? Yeah. Um, so I, I think yeah. that. You know, there's those, the essays that come before, and generally maybe they're right to be ignored, but this one, it really, it, it really is doing something that both of us think he's not doing elsewhere in his thought. So that's really, that yeah. seems to me something really significant, that, that there are certain aspects of it that get developed in interpretation of dreams, but then other things that get, don't get developed anywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, so I'm going to give, because just my assumption is that people have unfamiliarity with Correct. this, not familiarity. <laughs> um, so I'm going to give a line from the end. This isn't like the line. We're going to quote other things. This is 320 in the standard edition. If anyone has the uh, hacked uh, PDF from the standard edition that you and I do. Um, so here we go. This is, a, again, 320 from Screen Memories. And this let's is be clear. Mine a, is not hacked, Ryan. Mine is. I, I oh. own the standard edition. Oh, it's a right. birthday present. <laughs> oh, that's I am always forgetting. Yeah, Hillary. That, uh, I am yeah, a degenerate. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's right. No, no. Hillary got you a birthday yeah. present. I was saying I'm a degenerate. That's no, what I, I got that. I don't know yeah, if you heard yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. right. <laughs> um, so here we go. This analysis, which I, this is Freud speaking, which I have reproduced as accurately as possible, will, I hope, have to some extent clarified the concept of a screen memory as one which owes its value as a memory not to its own content, but to the relation existing between that content and some other that has been suppressed. Okay. That's the main idea. Lot, that's the main idea, okay, is uh, what's, what's a screen memory and, uh, and why these words. So let's, let's, uh, let's, 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 let's go. So we're going back to front here. So let's, let's build this up. Why, um, why screen, Todd McGowan? Why does, why does Freud pick this word? Right. So it's related, obviously, as we were talking about, to the dream theory. And it, so it screens off something that's traumatic. So that's the, that's the yes. number one thing. What's fascinating is it's, it goes – I love this essay for the way that it cuts against our commonsensical way of thinking about screens. Like I think mm-hmm. most of us think we put up screens to protect us from trauma. I think most – in our psyche. Mm-hmm. I think most people – even if they're not Freudian, I think they accept that idea. And Freud, uh, elsewhere, I think, will say that the fantasy is actually a way that we, there's some trauma that happens and we construct a fantasy so that we don't have to confront the trauma. I think Freud, that's again, a kind of Mm -hmm. a commonsensical idea. And I think Freud 
at some points, that's kind of his idea of fantasy, right? Not, it's mm -hmm. not, that's not wrong. If you, someone said that as Freud's idea of fantasy, you wouldn't say like, oh, you just totally missed the boat. You'd say, okay, they kind of got it. But what's fascinating mm -hmm. here is it's a screen memory. So it's, and, and Freud insists that it is actually a true memory. So, mm -hmm. so it's not, it's not the screen memory. I think this is just a good starting point. The screen memory for Freud is not a lie. It's not a, it's not a right. lie that you're telling yourself. It's an actual mm -hmm. memory where you've picked up something that's innocuous and remembered it because of its proximity to something or the way that it stands in for something that's not innocuous, that has a traumatic charge to it, which mm -hmm. Freud thinks we, even though we repress, we want to remember, right? Like th that's the whole thing about repression, right? Like it, on the one hand, it works. We don't think about the thing directly, but it wants to get its way. It's almost like the repressed idea has a will of its own and yeah. wants to come to consciousness. And so it has to come through these indirect ways. And one of these indirect ways is the screen memory because of its proximity to either the traumatic memory or something else, which we'll get to later, which I think is even more interesting. But let's just focus <laughs> on the traumatic yeah. memory right now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, and, and I think, so there's a, a really, really nice summary. And I, and I think that what's at stake here, the, the, the point that's worth underlining is that it's not the, I think the commonsensical take, I'll even, as you know, I told you before, uh, we, we, we were planning this, that like my, my dad called me shortly before we were calling and I, and he asked, and I said, I can't, we can't, I can't talk right now. I'm about to record a podcast. Ask me what it's about. And I said, Oh, screen memory is this thing. People haven't read so much from Freud. And he goes, Oh, you know who talks about it? <laughs> UFO, uh, you know, ufologists talk about that's, that's people were abducted, but they have a screen memory and they, that, that installs like like a false thing and and really they were they were abducted but they have faith they have but it's details. false right and that's a key thing false. for the ufologist not for for freud it's important that the screen memory is true yes exactly right. and that's it, that precisely the point i want to underline yeah. so like it's not it's because it, it, it's it's fascinating i even think his i even think his dream theory conflicts with this which is that like it, it is more in line with um uh, rather than a screen, there's a veil, right? right? Like there's a, that's, that's what displacement does. It puts a veil over a, a, a traumatic thing. It makes it like, Oh, you can't approach this thing directly. So I'm going to throw a veil over it. So you can see it in this other way so that it can be, uh, you know, shown to you without you, I don't know, uh, waking up in a, in a cold waking up or, or not waking, like, like killing yourself. Right. Up, like I think there yeah. is a danger of, I think Freud thinks, right, of, of if you really confronted the horror directly. Mm -hmm. I, I almost think he thinks you can't confront it directly. Right? Yeah. I th yeah, I think that's true. I mean, that, I mean that, that's I, – I think everybody – that's the – I mean, even to the point of in, you know, one of the, the – like the founding ideas in trauma studies from like uh, Kathy Carruth, right, is that like it's just – it's utterly inaccessible, right, right, the trauma. Right. Like it's – right. yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I think that like that's – this is the – maybe that's that's the thread begins there but here it's actually like the truth the truth is in your face and uh it, it, but it's that is how the um the, the the fantasy 
relation is is established. I think that that's just like that's so interesting, right? And isn't it interesting too that I mean this comes back to Freud's, you know, in in in, in my first book, which should hopefully all copies have been destroyed. It uh, doesn't exist. Yeah, no, you can't, you can't, you can't find, find it. Um, <laughs> that, that, that in, this, in that book, I, I say Freud's theory of memory is that there are three, we remember for three different reasons. Either something's like it's traumatic, then it, or no, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. we forget for three different reasons. We forget either because something's indifferent, it, does, it just fits in with the rest of the things in our psyche, or we repress it because it's too traumatic, or mm-hmm. it doesn't, it's so... It so doesn't fit in that it doesn't. It can't make an impression, right? It's not traumatic, mm-hmm. but it's just so off the wall that it doesn't have any. Mm-hmm. We don't feel like it has any relation to our psyche, right? So, so yes. I thought that that was really Freud's theory of forgetting, and of course, repression is mm-hmm. the most important. But what he's focused on here is the first kind, where what we mostly forget are these little, nameless, unremembered things of just the quotidian life, right? Like. Because mm-hmm. because my, you know, especially under the plague, right, like every day is the same. So mm-hmm. I couldn't – could I tell you what I did on October 1st versus October 3rd? I, there's no way I could. I don't have any no. – they're just all yeah. – this all one to me. And like yeah. going to the gym, let's say, like – Every day I go to the gym, was one workout different than another? Did I do more rep? How do I know, right? Like there's no, yeah. I just don't remember anything about that. And so Freud's idea is like when you, st- when you can remember something innocuous that you shouldn't be able to remember, <laughs> that's probably a screen memory and you should pay attention yeah. to it, right? So, so the very, it's such yeah, a it's such idea. a great point. Yeah. 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 No, it's like, it's, um, in it, it's, why, I mean, I guess this is, this is the thing, like, it, it just, it stands out in his own, I mean, this is why we're talking about it, it stands out in his, in his, uh, in his, his whole, uh, corpus, right, and as we were, um, talking about in the last episode, the one on civilization as discontents, uh, there's a tendency sometimes with Freud where he av- avoids the, the dialectic, and he, he put, makes things in opposition, and this is where he's more Kantian than Hegelian, and, uh, this is, will happen in the dream theory where you have condensation and displacement, uh, as these, these forces that work together, they're not opposed to each other, but like the, 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 this is part of the dream work. And in his idea, you can sort of see this in the, the, the notion of the, the screen memory is that condensation and displacement are sort of the same thing. Like it's sort of the same process. Like it's just, it's this process of an, like an anodyne, truth that shouldn't be there so it's not a so it's, again it's not a, not a fantasy that shouldn't be where where truth right. is but a, a truth, truth where fantasy should right. be <laughs> right and, right right or or is actually is probably better right. like 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 right. where, where fantasy is and that is um it's a i just think that's a it's a it's a more dialectical idea right. i think than, right. than than what will just a year later become uh his the the dream theory yeah, I think it's so great, Ryan. Like the the notion that you the best place to hide something about yourself is in the truth, right? <laughs> yes. Like it's the yeah, and I think no, that's re- you know when when people practice lying, one of the things that they mm. do, like when they take an assumed identity, they say tell us have as many things be true about yourself as possible because it's just easier for you to remember them and to tell the truth. You yeah. know, so I think it's yeah. in a way it, that fits in with what Freud is saying. Like there's a, there's this, 
And this is true of his theory of the unconscious. There's a drive for the truth of the unconscious to reveal itself. That's not exactly mm. what he is happening here. It's just that there's a these that that the the trauma finds truth as it's both its vehicle for expression and its way to obscure itself, right? Like so you can't yeah. because you think, oh, this is just a normal memory. There's no trauma, mm. and it's not traumatic. There's no, I don't remember any trauma attached to it, so it must be fine. And so you're allowed to, the psyche allows that to come to consciousness, even though yeah. it's actually bearing this real traumatic weight for you psychically. Can I tell you something? I've never told you this before. I don't even think I said, I haven't said this on the podcast. I have hardly said this to friends. Can I tell you something about the car accident that I, that I dreamed? Yeah, tell me. Very shortly yeah. after it happened. Very shortly. So um, if anyone's interested, when you're in a coma, it doesn't feel like anything has happened. Uh, it's like a deep, deep black. Right. And it's you like I, I think back on it uh, as feeling some kind of time, but like seconds. And it was like five, five days or I don't know, maybe, maybe more than that. Cause I was in the coma for five days and then taken out, but I wasn't conscious. So I don't know how long, how much time it was. But when I was in the hospital, uh, the first hospital, um, I had a dream that I, cause I don't, I don't know what happened. And it since it was just my car and me getting in the accident, the, there's no like a uh, police accident reconstruction because they don't do it for single car accidents. Um, or yeah, or anything like that. But what Unless I remember Tiger is Woods, I think they do do. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. Maybe they did nice, actually. Nice. No, that's yeah. a topical. Love it. Um, that's true. They do it uh, twice, tw- two times for him. That he's the the two times right, club right, right, uh, right, for right. for accident reconstruction on a single car accident. Um, I ha- I had a dream, I that I um, I was driving on the highway and then there was something. I think a CD, a compact disc for the uh for the teenagers and uh on the ground on the seat in front of uh on, on the passenger seat and i leaned over to pick it up and then at that point my car had veered so far off the road that it smashed into the guardrail and i don't remember anything after wow that. so the dream likely told you the truth of the trauma but yeah. hit it yes because it didn't give you the full it kept you from the full traumatic impact. And, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, I, I mean, it's just... Maybe, I, maybe, I, right? I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I mean, like, what I take from that... I, yeah, I mean, you know, we try we try not to do this kind of thing on this podcast, but, I mean, what I take from that is just, like, profoundly, like, in recounting that to you, I just um, feel profoundly that it was my fault, and it's just very easy... Like, I think because that's so easy, I don't know that that's true. Like, like it's easier for me to, like, it's easier for me to, to accept that it had to have been my right, fault. Right, right. That I had to have done it to myself right. than, 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 than something else, which is like, I don't know. So that's, that's, so anyway, I've never, I, I don't know. Well, that I, would be I, interesting I if, if that. that memory yeah. was true and yet it was still mm-hmm. screening out a way in which something else caused the accident, you know, yeah, like you really did maybe. do all that stuff, but there was actually a, you know, somebody that put a bomb under your tire or something. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, but that's, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that's, um, so that is something that I, that is something I, I, I sometimes uh, think about. And I think about, it's the, I think the, 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 the CD is that like, 
I don't know. Maybe that's the bit. That's the like. What? Are, what? Are that's the, the piece of. I, I don't. That, that, that's a tie yeah. to the trauma. Maybe. Maybe there was Probably. a song that was really traumatic for you, and the lo- the accident wasn't really the trauma at all. I mean, it is a question, right? Whether an act, whether that accident is psychically traumatic, like it, it it's put, yeah. like Freud's point is, I think, in a, when he diagnoses uh, war veterans mm. in Beyond the Pleasure Principle, his point is that the an actual physical injury is provides protect psychic protection. Right. Like that's that that is his. I think that's such a great point, too. Like when you're hurt Mm. physically, it can actually make whatever psychically you're going through easier to get through. Yeah. Right. Because it's just it's just your injury. Yeah. You just got to focus on your injury. And and that takes I mean, it's kind of like the injury functions like the screen memory functions. Right. Like it takes your focus away from the psychic, whatever the psychic trauma is. Mm. Yeah. No, it's. It's oh man, it's really interesting. Yeah. I um yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring up uh, there'll be more uh, more uh, accident talk a little bit a little bit later when I try to connect this to another another reading, but uh, about memory. But that that'll be that'll be for later. So um okay, so we talked about the screen yeah and and like the the, the important point here. Um, but to, what's the status of? Oh, I just want to say yeah, some last thing about screen. Like I think it's the, the oh yeah sure like isn't. And this is, I think, is really important about Freud's theory of the screen. And I think Joan Kopchak is really, you know, this is a drinking game. Uh-huh. I just, I just started that. <laughs> That's right. But uh, That's I think right. Joan is really good on the way the role that the screen plays in both screening off something from us and allowing us to access it. Right. Like so, mm-hmm. so we have to think mm-hmm. of the screen memory in this way of that screen too. That it, it, it's at once screens off, and then at, at the same time is a point of access that we otherwise wouldn't have. So so yes. I think unlike yes. the ufologist, Freud doesn't think mm-hmm. screen memory bad. He thinks great screen memory yes. that gives us a way to actually access this traumatic thing, whatever it is, that we otherwise mm-hmm. would have no access to. So I think that's really yeah. it's such a crucial point about the way that a screen functions for Freud. And you and I, of course, think that the movie screen or the television screen functions similarly, right? Like it, on the yeah. one hand, it does this whole ideological narrativization of our subjectivity and inserts us in something. But on the other hand, mm-hmm. it is an opening to a possibility with an, for an encounter with trauma that we otherwise wouldn't have. And that, that is potentially undermining that whole narrative structure of our subjectivity that otherwise would be, would function, you know, without a hitch. So I think that that's the, mm-hmm. that's the double, we get the, again, that double sense of the screen for psychoanalysis. Yeah. You know, I don't think there's enough of it because just screen, uh, just, I mean, you and I are recording this on computers. Uh, like I, like I, we, we teach on computers now, right? Like they're, they're just screens are, are everywhere. I don't think there's enough, like, um, I don't think there's enough attention paid. Like, like what you just said made me think like my TV is off like a lot of the time. And it's like, what a freaking magic trick that like you can put it on and then you can have this encounter with anything. Right. Like it's, 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 it's kind of like, it's, it's such a, (laughs) like, I mean, it's kind of a dumb thing to say, but, but it's, it's very taken for granted that like these, um, these things are not, part of it especially for television you know there's this um do you know this Roald Dahl poem about television 
that like we shouldn't you shouldn't give children televisions. You should replace them with bookcases. Right, right, right. Yeah. And then and then they'll be. And I think like, didn't he write one of the more racist James Bond movies? <laughs> you only <laughs> like you only die twice. So anyway, um, but the you only live twice. So, so that's a funny. You only slip, live twice. But yeah, that's good. That is a funny yeah. slip. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, so but. The I don't know the, the 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 blankness of it. It is a it is a window. I I, I think. Uh, and when 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 they, the, these objects get like especially like you know cell phones, TV screens, computer screens. It's just like it's distractions. It's not like it's not real. There's all this like I, I would almost say like all this like narrative around it. Like actually protects you from the the trauma that can be in the image that you see. Like so like it it it's it's like sitting down to 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 watch something and to uh believe it's like it's all like escapism like to really like like go into that narrative uh, allows you to escape the aspect of the screen that is exactly what like Joan Kopchak makes like so central to uh to read my desire where like it's it you know because she's flipping Laura Mulvey where the screen is not a mirror the mirror the mirror is a screen right this like this this place for for our subjectivity to emerge anyway, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know if any of that is. Hit yeah, no, that, I think that's sense, exactly right. Like, and I, 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 it's funny cause in my panegyric to the screen, I was a little worried that I sounded like screen theory, right? Like, so but <laughs> what's interesting is screen theory takes a really one dimensional or one sided look at the screen, right? Like it's the whole mm-hmm. point. So it develops out of Laura Mulvey's part of it, Christian Nets, Jean-Louis Baudry, uh, Stephen Heath, I think, to some extent. So, though, but their their whole yeah. movement is real, and it's associated with the British journal Screen, which is why it's called Screen Theory, not because of its attitude toward the screen. And I mm-hmm. think what's interesting is they don't see the potential for a for this kind of encounter with the screen. But I, I love your idea yeah. that it's a miracle we can just turn it on, you know, and then and <laughs> you can have that this incredible encounter that really will could potentially change your life. And it's just sitting there right there unused all the time. Right. And I think mm-hmm. ready to be turned on. Uh, it re- I, I did this just last thing yeah. on this. I just, just very, very quickly when, um, when I taught, when I was a grad student at UVM and I taught, uh, writing in, the, in those rooms where there was like MacBooks in, in all the room, like one of the, uh, one of the things I used to tell the students to do is if they were having trouble writing, like if it, we were doing an in-class writing thing, uh, if you're having trouble thinking, like turn the, turn the brightness all the way off of the screen because it'll be, uh, black. Right. Like, um, and some people did it, but a lot of people, it was actually kind of like they, they, they were really put off. It was like a, a a real uncanny experience for for them to be typing on a completely like uh, to be typing on a void on a void was really, really hard. Right. It's it. And I, and I, and yeah. And I just, I just think that, I don't know that that's just my, my whole thing here. And, and, and I just like, we need, we need something to be on the screen. And that like, I even think like that protects us from what the, the screen work is even doing. Right. 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 The screen work. I like that. And, and, you know, it's interesting because on, on these, have you ever been on a flight where you, you have this, screen in front of your face and if you don't pay the money it just cycles through a bunch of ads and it's just horrible (laughs) and so i always turn down the brightness to zero but i notice a lot of people just let these ads just cycle over their screen and it's just (laughs) i find it just mind-boggling but i think you're right like i think there's this 
the the trauma of the direct trauma of that blank screen is just it's it's almost mm-hmm. unbearable. I think so. That that yeah. may be why it, it happens that way. Why people do that. Yeah, I mean, it almost convinced me to buy a Ninja air fryer. I have to say, <laughs> but anyway, you were going to say something else. <laughs> well, I was going to say uh, no. I, I, I let's go on. Let's go. On. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we did. Okay. So we've done. We've done enough with the screen. I want to ask this question yeah. here. Um, what is the status of fantasy for Freud at this time? Okay. So this is really. I think it's the key to this essay, right? So okay. So here, and I'm not sure if this stays the same later, although to some extent, yes, it's in the, it's in the Tromdeutung, the interpretation of dreams. But mm-hmm. so I think that his idea is that fantasy is itself traumatic and mm-hmm. that we use screen memories to obfuscate and veil the fantasy while giving mm-hmm. us access to it because through the screen. So I think it, it really is it's it's amazing how at odds it is with the way that we think fantasy usually works. That usually we think, yes. oh, I have something real happen to mm-hmm. me, something true happen to me. I construct mm-hmm. a fantasy because it's too bad, it's too tough to face. And then mm-hmm. the fantasy I can become conscious of. Freud's point here is, no, the fantasy, <laughs> the real fundamental, he doesn't say fundamental fantasy, I'm saying that the real no. fundamental mm-hmm. fantasy is unconscious and Mm -hmm. it's only the screen memory that allows us to have access to it which uses things that are true so his idea is truth is used to obscure the fiction of the fantasy and i think this would be my ultimate argument against documentary filmmaking right like like (laughs) aren't you you're using truth to obscure the power of the fiction why don't you just give it mm-hmm. to us in the fiction and let us experience the real in that way, right? Like I think mm-hmm. there's really mm-hmm. something – I think it's just such a profound point that we – that all this supposed search for truth or what's mm-hmm. really happened is actually there to obfuscate the truth of our desire or the fantasy structure that's being hidden by this, these true things that happened that are in, in our memory. Uh, that's excellent. I just want to give some 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 text uh, to uh, to you, that you're referring yeah. to here. There's a section of, of screen memories where um, Freud is having a dialogue, um, as uh, Strachey points out, with, with himself, himself, which is crucial. But yeah. that's it, which, but that's not how he that's not how Freud sets it up in the text. Right. He sets it up. He's like he's he's recalling a conversation he had with a young professor, with a young professor. Yeah. Um, but he's doing a kind of a Socratic dialogue with himself. But it's, as, as I, I said when we were uh, talking about this uh, earlier, it's not so much a Socratic dialogue. It's more Holmes and Watson. Right. Like, right. it's, and understanding the, um, I mean, this is even in Sherlock Holmes, where he, uh, he rather nicely explains to Watson that he uh, needs, he needs Watson because he needs to see how, like, normal people see right. things. Right. Because he, he can't. So well, what he why, needs is the big needs. other, right? I mean, that's what he needs. Like, yeah. how does the big other react? And then I can, yeah. yeah. Then I, yeah, and then I can see it. And so that's what that's what this this dialogue that Freud has himself is. He 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 plays the Holmes and the Watson, right. and so uh, and then so here here's this is on page uh, three fifteen of either a hacked copy or a real one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it seems that I amalgamated. This is the uh, the the Watson. 
um, uh, uh, Freud talking. It seems then that I amalgamated the two sets of fantasies of how my life could have been more comfortable, the yellow and the country made bread from the one and the throwing away of the flowers and the actual people concerned from the other. Yes, this is the uh, Holmes Freud. You projected the two fantasies onto one another and made a childhood memory of them. The element about the alpine flowers is, as it were, a stamp giving the date of manufacture. I can assure you that people often construct such things unconsciously. Dash, I love to emphasize yeah. dashes, almost like works of fiction. But if that is so, Watson says, Watson, right to, Watson says, yeah. But if that is so, then there was no childhood memory, but only a fantasy put back into childhood. A feeling tells me, though, that the scene is genuine. How does that fit in? He asks uh, Wat, uh, uh, Holmes, Holmes Freud. There is a genuine, uh, sorry, there is in general no guarantee of the data produced by our memory, which is, for, for one, my God, do people give, like, uh, Copernicus and, uh, like, all kinds of people credit for, like, how close they were to observing, like, scientifically, like, you know, the shape of the earth and the distance of the sun, like with rudimentary tools. And what does brain science tell us about memories is that you don't access the event. You access the last time you told right, the right. memory to someone. And Freud is just like, he's just worked this out. Right. And he, he, so he emphasizes at the end of the essay even more, right? Like that's where he really. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to keep going with this. So there is in general, no guarantee of the data produced by our memory. Love it. Okay. But, but I am ready to agree with you that the scene is genuine. And this is more to your point about the, the truth being really, really important. If so, you selected it from innumerable others of a similar or another kind, because on account of its content, which in itself was indifferent, it was well adapted to represent the two fantasies, which were important enough to you. Uh, and then there's a funky typographical thing where, um, the next line begins with lowercase and we can't figure out why, but, um, uh, recollection of this kind whose value lies in the fact that it represents in the memory impressions and thoughts of a later date whose content is connected with its own by symbolic or similar links may appropriately be called a screen memory. In any case, you will cease to feel any surprise that this scene should so often recur to your mind. It can no longer be regarded as an innocent one, since, as we have discovered, it is calculated to illustrate the most momentous turning points in your life, the influence of the two most powerful motive forces, hunger and love, which is also interesting, hunger and love, these two powerful motive forces. But going back to this, uh, to this line uh, about... Um, it represents in the memory impressions and thoughts of a later date whose content is connected with its own by symbolic or similar links may appropriately be called a screen memory. And so this is where I think I did Lacan ever talk about screen no. memories. I, I have no, no idea. No. no, it's I mean, he it, it, he could have not that he needed to, but I, I guess. But like he could have very well justified so much of his thing from these just these lines about like. The, the 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 notion of the, like the the screen memory is this like essential symbolic and like sig and, and significatory link right right and and it's uh where and that's uh, where fantasy is hidden no, I don't want to say it like that um it's like truth like well no no yeah fantasy, fantasy is, is hidden. hidden by truth right yeah fantasy is hidden by truth yeah and and that is um it's, a, it's just a really interesting take. And I, I think I'm kind of a more, uh, as weird, like to connect this back to the previous episode is more as it's, I, I don't know, to me is more of a dialectical take right, right. than uh, some of the other ideas. Of right. Right. I, I, it's amazingly dialectical, right? Like that, the, that, the, that the, this, the fiction, I mean, this is a Hegelian point 
also that the fiction comes first and then it mm. creates truth as a way to obfuscate the underlying, the trauma associated with the underlying fiction. I just, I think it's such a great point. I mean, later on, he mm -hmm. puts it in the form of a question, but I think it really articulates the theory well. He says, the fantasy that has tr transformed itself into these childhood memories would not be a conscious one that I can remember, but an unconscious one. And I think that's, yeah. that's, that really captures the way in which it's the fantasy that transforms mm -hmm. into actual memories. And that, again, mm -hmm. I just think it's so hard to get your to wrap your head around because we want to think like this, what's screening is a lie and what it's screening mm -hmm. is the truth. And that's, it's for Freud, it's just the opposite. It's just the opposite mm -hmm. that, that the innocent memory that pay attention when you have, when you remember something that's innocent that you shouldn't remember, pay attention mm -hmm. to that because that's probably a screen memory and it's probably yeah. obscuring some fantasy that's traumatic for you and has to remain unconscious, right? And, and I love yeah. it. The, the element about the alpine flowers is, as it were, a stamp giving the date of manufacture. Just to your point, the, the, the anodyne thing is this, like, stamp of authenticity that makes you not interpret at, at all. It's like, oh, that's how it happened, right? Like, we, we, you, it, 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 it's... It, what it actually... I mean, to not to, like, belabor, like, a pun or to... To, to be funky with language here, but like it screens off your like impulse to interpret. Yeah, but what's interesting, I, I agree totally with that, Ryan. And what's interesting about this fantasy, isn't it? That, okay, what is the fantasy he's talking about? So on the one hand, it's about this fantasy about, and what's traumatic about it? Because it's about, he, he uses the thing about flowering. So he thinks it's, a, he, mm -hmm. he interprets to be a fantasy, about, a sexual fantasy about deflowering. Mm -hmm which is works in German and in English, um, this, this girl that he met and, and, but when he was a young boy. But what's interesting is, don't you think that what is, and Freud doesn't really deal with this that much, but don't you think mm. that what's repressed and why the fantasy is traumatic is because of his own, what he calls his youthful bashfulness, that he, <laughs> that he it was precisely <laughs> okay, this yeah. moment where he felt desire for someone and yet couldn't, couldn't express it to her. And so mm. that that moment of his own failure is really, I think, what's repressed, right? Like his own inability to act, his own. Yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a nice reading. No, I like I like that a lot. I mean, I, I think that's um, well, I mean, like it makes it makes sense with like the what's being what's being hidden is castration, and it's being cast as like a like a, a deflowering urge. Right, but it's actually the moment of of fail, failure, failure, yeah, 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 to, yeah. I think that's right. I think it's right. I mean, it's interesting too that on time and again. So this is on page three eighteen. Freud says, "I see that I must take up the defense of its genuineness." You're going too far to say it's not true. Like I think that that's because mm -hmm. he he's saying perhaps I'm dealing with something that never had. This is the Watson figure. I'm dealing with something yep. that never happened that's been unjustifiably smuggled into my childhood memories. And Freud, as Holmes, is like, no, no. Like, mm -hmm. it really, the, 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 I have to take the defense of the genuineness of the memory. Mm -hmm. So, again, I think, just think how different this is from one year later interpretation of dreams, yeah. right? Where where the, the disguise, if you think of the dream as a develop, an elaboration of the fantasy, which I think is... Right, it's the, it's ex almost mm -hmm. exactly the opposite, right? Like the you have mm -hmm. this traumatic 
event, and then the dream is constructed to deliver it to you, but in the form of a fiction. Yeah, yeah I just, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's interesting to have to try to think through these two things together. Yeah, no, I mean, like, that's, well, so that's where, like, the, uh, our position is as a, we're in a dialectical position reading Freud with, because these, these two, these two ideas are, like, intrinsically, temporally, like, they're, like, intimately intertwined, and they happen just a year apart. And clearly he's already working, I mean, Interpretation of Dreams is a long book, so he's clearly working on it while he's writing this, but I think there must be... He must, he has this opposite sense at the same time, right? Like, it it seems hard for me to reconcile, other than those are just two different ways that the unconscious manifests itself. And, but it isn't, I think, even interpretation of dreams, I mean, I guess there he does think that the trauma can be a fantasized trauma. Right. Like, like this is, Mm -hmm. to be fair, this is a post, and this is, I think, very important. It is a post seduction theory theory. Both of them are Mm -hmm. right. Like that, Uh, mm -hmm. that, that, because once, as long as he is accepting the seduction theory, the trauma has to be an actual, some kind of violation, sexual Mm violation. I mean, it doesn't have to be a rape, but it can, it has to be some kind of sect, like an unwanted touching or something. Right. It has to be, Mm -hmm. has to be an actual event. And then, and then mm-hmm. the big break from the suction theory is to say, well, the event can be fantasized, but mm-hmm. isn't he even going further than that here and saying, <laughs> well, whatever fantasy it is, is going to be, has to be repressed. If it's, if it's a fantasy that really cuts to the, to the, you know, to the traumatic yeah. core of your being. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, I just, I mean, I think I like the, um, I think it's a it's uh it is a a good move and I think uh it would be um better in uh I don't know I I I think this is this is something that 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 I like is just that like the notion like the fantasy has to be the fantasy as tr- as trauma or like the fantasy is traumatic I think very very important rather than fantasy as this thing that that gets in the way of confronting the the trauma I I think here much more interesting right right as um and and i also and i think that that's like i don't know there's a there's a, a, a i think that there for for me in 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 my reading there is a kind of like um not there's not a privileging of certain there's not like a ladder of trauma in psychoanalysis at least in my reading like i think it's kind of like um if you if i saw someone i knew like let's just, like unmasked like after like it's that's uh, that, what a fantasy that would be right. really in a, in a common sense and they blanked me like they just just pretended to not like they totally looked at me and pretended that they didn't notice me yeah like that's a that's a trauma. Right. Like that's trauma. That's that the, the, happening after a pandemic. Period, doesn't matter. Um, that's I think that's a that's a trauma, and I think that you want to like I don't know. I think you would want to think about that in the same way that you would think about something that did cause like actual physical bodily harm, like the car accident that I was in, like the like the which I cannot even actually apprehend. Right. Like it's potentially so, the first <laughs> event is more traumatic than the second for you. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah, I think yeah. that I yeah. think that's an absolutely crucial point. That that I think that one of the premises of psychoanalysis is we can't quantify traumas and stack them up and say this person's yep. had a worse trauma than another person. So for one reason, because you don't know how the psyche is going to react to something that could seem innocuous. Like what could yes. seem innocuous to me could be traumatic mm-hmm. for you, right? Because of certain yeah. things in my background or whatever, right? Like that. So I think mm-hmm. like, like if I, like, so when I was in first grade, I stole it. You know, there were these little white astronauts there about eight inches tall. And I, I really wanted one of my parents. We didn't have the money or whatever. I don't know. And, and so I, I was, we went around, we moved to different desks and, and I, uh, you know, when we went to a different class, like I had reading in this other class mm-hmm. and I just happened to lift up the desk a little bit, saw this thing and I just took it and put it in my mm-hmm. pocket. I don't know what I did with it. Uh, and I, ha- I still, I have it to this day, <laughs> but it still <laughs> bears this traumatic weight. And I think like, you know, if someone didn't That's have funny. this like really religious upbringing that I did, that like maybe stealing something is just would be nothing. Yeah. It wouldn't be this like it's like a scarring trauma for me from since or someone could they could just let it go right like ah it was something I did as a kid I was just stupid, stupid kid. kid whatever <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah why are you even yeah. keeping that like what what is the yeah. point so yeah so I think that that's really important thing I also think like I I think it's worth exploring what it is about the fantasy that's traumatic. Like, why does yeah. fantasy... Because Freud mm-hmm. doesn't deal with that here. And I I, I wonder, no. is it... I think he kind of suggests, and I think this would be wrong, mm-hmm. that it's just because I <laughs> can't realize it that it's traumatic. Like, you know, like I, I have this fantasy yeah. of some having sex with someone and I can't do it. So, oh, it's traumatic because it reminds me that I'm not yeah. having sex. But I think that's wrong. And I think... Mm-hmm. I wonder if you have an idea why you think fantasy. And I think I'm tempted to say, obviously we have conscious fantasies that are like, you know, whatever, right. Right now I'm fantasizing about eating a piece of cake, but that's that's (laughs) stupid. Right. Like the, the, although that's your constant, it is my constant. You need to know that. Yeah. (laughs) Although (laughs) it is tempting to think. When was the last time you had the Celine, by the way? Had what? Oh, the uh, Gato Celine. Uh, Oh my God. It's been like, four or five years. So it's, are you joking? No, it's sad. For real? I know. It wasn't, it wasn't even the pandemic. The no, it wasn't the one you got me, but, but yeah. Okay. So just to let people know, there's a, there's a, <laughs> at the store, I'm sorry. I'm there's a, re- there's a restaurant that, I, in Montreal yeah, called Nichols, which is a basically a terrible restaurant, but they, <laughs> it was used to be owned by Celine Dion and, and they have a cake. It's like a 13 layer, I think chocolate cake, yeah. chocolate, chocolate icing. And it's uh, it's called the Gato. It's incredible. It's really incredible. It tastes great. It's called yeah. a Gato Celine. And I, 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 Ryan even was nice enough to to buy me one. I mean, you didn't pay, but mm. you got it when you were there. So just to be yeah. clear, I didn't make my I graduate student the, pay for this. Like, no, I lost a I lost the sports bet as I always. That's do true, but but yeah, let's just I be clear. I did not make you. Pay, <laughs> although what I made you do was was worse than the fifty dollars or whatever it costs because you yeah, you have to yeah, go yeah, in right. there and haggle with them because they're like why it was a lot of fun yeah no but it was so much it was so much fun i went i was going to montreal anyway with a friend of mine and when um this was i think i must have told you this thing but this also listeners just a little uh a little uh, a little color to the story we're um we ended up um in montreal on quebec day and like everything was closed oh god and except for nickels um and uh i bought 
I got the whole cake. I wasn't getting slight like slices. Right. I got the whole cake, and I guess that was unusual. Right, that's why it's a problem and, to get it because they're like, "Why does this person he, want a whole cake?" <laughs> yeah, so I get to call ahead of time, and then I was picking it up, and someone said to me, "Like, so I was there with my friend Taylor, and he was just standing next to me, and this and the uh, the the cashier was like, "Oh, so is this for a party?" And I was like, "Oh no, this is for my friend. He doesn't have any other vices," and she just was like, "Uh huh," and then left. And Taylor goes to me, he says like, hey, I know what you said is true, but that didn't explain anything to her. <laughs> and it's one of the funniest, it's one of the funniest things. <laughs> I think it actually explains everything, but yeah. I prob- probably, but maybe, maybe too, maybe too, too, too much. Anyway. Right. Maybe it was yeah. too much. It was yeah. like for her, there was not enough of a screen in front of that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But anyway, yeah. so that if I, I should have said I lost a bet. That, that maybe that would have been better. But but yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that anyway. So that is my constant fantasy. But but th- what's interesting is I think even in even in the most that really banal fantasy, isn't mm. it possible to interpret it and understand it in a way where you could see this like there's an edge, some traumatic part has to be associated with it. Otherwise, you wouldn't fantasize about it. I'm tempted to think yeah. that. I'm tempted to think yeah. that even our conscious banal fantasies are attached. Like I could free associate chocolate cake. I'd get pretty quickly to like some unconscious trauma, I think. So that's, hmm. that's I think that's a pretty interesting thing. But anyway, what I think that's traumatic about the fantasy isn't that it's not realized. It's that it mm-hmm. puts, it doesn't every fantasy put us in this position like Freud of the, the bashful Freud, like we're in the position of the one who's who's in in not having the object, right? Like to, in order to mm. in order to fantasize getting the cake, I have to have, I have to th- in the fantasy narrative, I have to have this position of not having, and I mm. I'm tempted. This is my theory. So tell me if this you think this okay. is crazy. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I'm tempted yeah. to say that the enjoyment of the fantasy. So there's a pleasure in the fantasy of getting the object, but. The enjoyment of the fantasy is when you don't yet have the object, right? And so I don't, yeah. just for me, when I was a kid, I used to fall asleep by fantasizing about different girls. And and I never <laughs> fantasized about actually, I didn't think I know what sex was, but I didn't fantasize about actually kissing them or doing, it was all mm. leading up to that. Like it was all some point. Uh-huh, lead. And uh-huh, so uh-huh. the the enjoyment of it, I felt was in the not having. And then once I got it, then I, then the fantasy kind of just disappeared. It fell apart kind of like a movie, right? Like it's a wonderful yeah. life. It's all, I mean, the enjoyment of that film isn't about the, the pleasure that comes in the last four minutes when he's like, mm-hmm. I love you. And then here I love the, yeah. the stairway that's broken. Right? Like it's, it's all in this. Zuzu's paddles. Zuzu's Sorry. Paddles, right? I couldn't resist it. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> I, I just want to tell everyone that someday the entire episode is going to be an interview with Jimmy you keep Stewart. That. Yeah, yeah. I'm, so that well, we you know what if we do one, if we do an episode on I don't know Harvey or like Anatomy of a Murder or something. I'll be I will feel compelled okay, to try to. Okay. I but if I do it too long, I worry I'll end up like Hugh Laurie or um uh or or one of these uh one of these people that lost their British accent because oh, they did American accents did it for, for too, too long. long. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What's his name? Uh, the guy. Uh, why am I forgetting? Uh, uh, Gary Oldman, also someone who lost his British accent because he did American accents in films for. Wow, that's sad, isn't it? Yeah, 
Yeah. It is yeah, sad. Yeah, you don't want to, yeah. you'll permanently talk like Jimmy Stewart. I don't want to, no, that's bad. <laughs> it's like, it's like that old wives tale that if you keep your eyes, if you cross your eyes, you won't be able to uncross them, right? Like that's, yeah. that's what you're worried about. Carrie, speaking of that, Kara already rolls her eyes when I, when I, like, she, she says to me, like, I don't want to talk to Jimmy right now if I say anything like, <laughs> Like that. So I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's a super good idea, but I want to, but okay. Your theory, yeah. So your what do you think here. of it? So that's my theory. Um, well, I'll say this. I don't think anyone fantasizes about buyer's remorse. And I mean that as a way of, uh, I, I, I think I'd like your idea that like it's, uh, when, I don't know, is, is it not like a little bit of like the lady and the tiger or lady or the tiger kind of thing where it's like the moment um, right before like, yeah, that's when the fantasy yeah, kind actually, of ends. Right. And yeah, because you'd what you because fantasy, maybe maybe this like can fantasy survive confirmation? I don't think so. One way or the other. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. So, so that's why it's traumatic. Right. Because it has this yeah. it ha- it puts us in this position of a radical not having. And I yeah. think that, and, and consciously and that we enjoy that. And that I don't think that kind of that structure of enjoyment which is the structure of enjoyment, can be consciously yeah. avowed. That's what I think. So, mm-hmm. so it's not that we enjoy unconsciously. I don't think that. But mm-hmm. I think the thing that leads us to enjoy, the idea that's attached to our enjoyment has to remain unconscious because of the way in which it, it the position it puts us in, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's why the fantasy, no, like that. yeah, yeah, so that's why the fantasy is is traumatic for us, I think. And, that, and, and, and I think that's what... Freud's getting at here that the the fiction of the fantasy is traumatic because of its structure, and I I do think that the the relation to film is pretty interesting, right? Like the way he's very close. I'm sorry yeah. to interrupt. He's very close to saying the unconscious has the structure of fiction. In this, I episode. know he's I very know. close to saying I know. that. I know, and that truth. Yeah. And then what would that mean, right? It would mean that mm-hmm. we flee into truth to avoid the unconscious. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's linked to the poets knew it first, right? Like that's his idea. He yeah. says that interpretation mm-hmm. of dreams. So, yeah, that's a similar I- idea. I think this privileging of fiction and and making it so that the fiction is what is is where we find what's most authentic about us. I guess it's a bit. I mean, because mm-hmm. it's you don't want to say what's most true about us, right? right but yeah, but yeah. It, yeah, right, yeah right, right. But I think that's I think that's I think that's right that it's. Or just that the, it, it, what you find is a confrontation, right? Right. Yeah, and and that and that that that's the uh, that's the royal road to um, I think this is kind of like a a, a messy uh, dialectic that one needs to to, to work out. Right. Work do through. you think? But, I mean, yeah. to what extent do you think this relates to post truth? Right. Like. Like, is it interesting? Well, okay. Uh, uh, first of all, I love, I, you know this, this is my thing. I love that when we talk about post-truth and is like, we're still moving forward. I, I know, I know, I like, know. We it's can, right. We right, 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 no, right. No, 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 but that's the, that's the term. That's what yeah, people I'm say. Just, like, yeah, I, like, I'm just, anyway. I'm not invested in the term, yeah. but yeah. No, no, I know that. Um, I think, yeah, no, I think there's a strong, I, I would say there's a strong uh, relation, but I think that it's a, um, I think that the orthodox take, don't you think the orthodox take is that like, oh, people are, they chase fantasies, not with right. in a common sense. They chase fantasies. They chase fiction to avoid the truth. I think that's the orthodox. Right. Like, isn't that the whole point? Uh, yeah. Like Trump is giving us 
fictional fantasized realities instead of reality, mm-hmm. right? Like that when he says, I mean, the whole notion of the alternative fact, I think most yeah. people think that's a, 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 I mean, they say count Trump's lies, right? Like that's the, right. I think most people think that that's a turn to the fiction. But I, I mean, I wonder but about I think that. that yeah. But 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 that's a, I think that's a, that's a, uh, that's a begging the question. I, I, I think that the, the people don't, because it's it equates like fiction with lie, which I don't think it's that it is, and it also equates fiction with non contradiction, which I also do not think is true. Right. Because that's that, that's what I think the really we say post truth, but it should be flight from contradiction, because that's like there's there's no it's all it's all smooth, baby. When you listen to Trump talk about absolutely anything, and 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 there there's there's very clear enemies. But and there's a very clear vision, and everything will be fine, and everything's worked out, and it's like total groovy tunes, and and I just think that like so we the the common notion of like like I, I don't know does it is there something implicit that being that post truth means that is is there something implicit that says that like truth needs to have contradiction I don't know that people think that when they say that but maybe there's no I think they don't think that. Imp- they don't think that at all, but I think that there that would be a way of I think redeeming the usefulness of, of that idea. I do too, that, but like, but I I, I, well, I guess what I'm thinking is, tell me this is crazy that that the the You're crazy. <laughs> that the the turn to post truth is actually a way to it, there there's some kind of genuine insight there into the way in which the fantasy provides a kind of enjoyment that this sticking to truth yeah. obfuscates or or, 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 or or renders inaccessible. And so that, well, so that, so that like, can, sorry, just let me just finish. And then, yeah, 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 please, please. Sorry, so, sorry. So, yeah. so then that like CNN is offering us truths, but without any enjoyment attached to them, like what enjoyment do you get from knowing the number of people that went to the inauguration? Like it's just there's really yeah. of all the th- pieces of news you could hear, that seems to be the least enjoyable. But yeah. once Trump lies about it and you get this sense of like there's some transgression involved, right? And there's some encounter with lack, I think, then – and Trump's lack really, I think that's what people are enjoying uh, – then all of a sudden, there's there the number of people that attend the inauguration is is replete with enjoyment. So, I wonder mm. if there's something tying this Freud essay to this political situation where it's almost like Trump has a kind of insight into this idea about the way that the fiction or the fantasy delivers enjoyment, in contrast to these adherents of truth who are caught up on these unimportant detail, indifferent detail, what Freud calls indifferent elements, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 the, and thus miss the traumatic enjoyment that Trump is allowing access to and that Freud wants to allow access to. I think, yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that the, I think that there in what the, here's a, here's a big difference that the, that, that I see is I don't think, um, I don't think there's much, um, I mean, we can talk about like how, how these things are, are lures and, and, and they can be problematic, but I actually, I don't think there's much future in liberal thinking. And I think that 
Trump gives one of the the Trump fantasy things is that like there's a real like there's a it's actually um, as much as you're in, enjoying in in the in the present, th- there is this promise. When when mainstream uh, like Democrats like shoot down Green New Deal or like like a fifteen dollar minimum wage, which it should be much higher than that, right? I, I, everyone knows like adjusted to inflation, it's like you are consigning people to a shitty present. Like that's what that's right. what you're doing, right? And you 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 make no room. For, for this future. And we actually, I mean, I think we badly need, a, a as what we talk about, like, left enjoyment, we need a left fiction because, like, you know, the planet is fucked. And we need to have a, like, we can't, I don't think you can, I don't think you can fix it. Right, I, th- and yeah. I think that you, yeah. you, and I think you just have to, I think I said this before in here, is that you just have to come from this position which is like, okay, there's nothing that, like, there's nothing that can be done, but you still have to do something. And there still has to be the, 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 it's a real opportunity, I think, to turn away from capitalist notions of value, which has everything to do with product and result, and to really think about the like enjoyment that comes from process. Right. No, Absent that, any notion of Yeah, result. that's great. I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, it, it's interesting. So you brought up a couple of things. So one is that the bad infinite that Trump promises, yeah. and the capital obviously yes. promises too, right? Like every yes. product mm-hmm. has this promise every commodity has this promise of infinite enjoyment attached to it. And, and every commodity that you produce, you're looking to produce this infinite a- accumulation. And the infinity is always in the future. It's never actually realized, which mm-hmm. is why it's what Hegel calls a bad infinite. And, mm-hmm. and so, and I think what's interesting is the way that it's combated by the mainstream liberal left is with facts, which is, which is interesting because it's like, it's, it's combated with finitude, right? Like it's saying yeah, like, no, yeah. what you're, this infinite that you're promising, no, things are really finite and that's truth. And I think the Hegelian response, which I think is implicit in Freud too, is no, the, res- the actual response has to be the good, the infinite of the concept, the, right? Like the, yes, the true yes, infinite, yes. which is this infinite that is in the form of a circle that thus, and what is for psychoanalysis drive for Freud, mm-hmm. uh, I think for Freud as well. And, but, but for, for, for Hegel, it's, it's just the infinite of the circle of, of some kind of repetition. And, and I think that that, it seems to me like that does what, that that would mean having this alternative kind of fantasy that isn't attached to uh, this idea of infinite accumulation, right? Like that, I think yeah, that's the, yeah. I think that's a crucial thing. And I think that's what Freud, I, I I almost think that that's the idea of psychoanalysis, right? Like, you know, when Rick mm. Boothby in, in uh, Freud is philosopher says the point of traversing the fantasy is not to get rid of the fantasy. It's to invest oneself all the more within the fantasy. And I yeah. just think that's so yeah. great because I think that's beyond even what Lacan thought, actually. But uh, <laughs> Rick loves to defer to Lacan. He loves to say, no, I'm just saying what Lacan said. And I'm like, yeah, no, no I, I, think I don't think I, so. That's Rick. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. so so um, I think that that idea, I mean, I think that's the idea. And that's kind of what you're saying, that there's this way to insert yourself within the fantasy that's not attached to some kind of infinite of the future, some bad infinite. Yeah. Yeah. No, the, the, the only, what would it be like to, to, it should be a reversal of the, these 
awful uh, Second Amendment cliches is the only thing that can stop a bad infinite. Is <laughs> right, right, right. It's like it, it's not. It's not you. It's not this like this again. This like rugged like uh, like data. Like you're looking at things with tweezers and and being like, nope. This is how we fix like completely fix ourselves into the into the present. It's like you like you have to give there has to be a project and you know, like, and there has to be, there has to be, uh, I, I think an, an infinite tied to, I mean, we would, we would certainly endorse an infinite tied to like, you know, drive and it has to be against an infinite tied to accumulation because that's just like, that's what's right. That's how we got right. here. Right. You know? And, and, and that doesn't, that doesn't bring us anywhere. Uh, that, 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 that that's, and that's the thing that's actually the, because the future that the future that's promised by the bad infinite makes it seem like it will be different, but it act that actually, actually just promises a relentless well, present. That, that's like I, actually. I love that idea yeah. of a relentless present. That's really good, I think. Yeah, it's really, I think that's crucial. And I think, you know, that's what psychoanalysis is trying to oppose, right? Like it's trying to find, I mean, Freud, even here, even this early on, is trying to find a way to out of that problem. Okay, I just like to talk about the end, right? Because I think we both have a lot of esteem for this mm this ending paragraph, which is, so he, he again makes this point that he talks about falsified memory and then says, even falsified memory has to come, the raw material of it comes out of stuff that was actual memory. Mm -hmm, So that's mm -hmm. pretty interesting. But then he comes around to say, it may indeed be questioned whether we have any memories at all from our childhood. Memories relating to our childhood may be all that we possess. And I think this is really... (laughs) Incredible, yeah. incredible, right? Like, because you just think like, oh, I still remember that event. I still, but no, what we're remembering is the way that we have thought about that later mm-hmm. and and thus reconstituted it. So the way that we're relating to our childhood. So it's really lost. And I think it's, it's I think one of the reasons why it's lost is because, and I think this is constant with Freud's theory is that, Childhood is basically traumatic. Mm. I think that's I think that's his idea, yeah. right? Yeah. Because you don't have all this symbolic armor, mm-hmm. and so you're just constantly bombarded by trauma. And so I think that's why all those memories get repressed. It's not, you know, it's not because the mind isn't fully de- none of that. Mm-hmm. I think because mm-hmm. Freud he makes the point here that really you could remember a lot of the stuff, but you just but it's not the problem is that it's it's traumatic wait for you we i mean i think that this is best expressed or seen in the like you know the why game that like children play right like yes exactly and and it's actually uh it's actually a way uh of of trying to understand why why uh the symbolic has the consistency that it does because it just to a child it, it it doesn't it just seems arbitrary <laughs> like 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 why like, i think i i have this thing in, in 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 something that i'm i'm writing currently that you know for for a child if you explain to a child why uh they shouldn't pick their nose in public and then it's like but they also know or have noticed that like they've seen adults do it or like every right. everyone does it like how else you're supposed mm-hmm. to how is he supposed to do right. it? It's like, like that. It can see like, ah, the child has found the like the the deeper truth. But it's like, no, they've actually what they're missing 
is the the fictive glue of the the symbolic, the fictive right. snot, right. you might even say, to to carry the metaphor forward. Exactly, uh, yeah. like what the, the, because I mean the why thing is really great, Ryan, because the whole point is why ends the 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 final answer to the why is the master signifier because yeah, I said so. so. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right, and so that's what the child doesn't understand because everything. The child ex- expects, I think, that everything in the symbolic will make sense, and the symbolic only works because there's one signifier that doesn't make sense. It's a signifier without a signified. Yeah, so yeah. I think that's what's traumatic, is you confront that nonsense of the master signifier, and then all of a sudden the world of sense collapses, really. Yeah, it's, it's not—I think um, a lot of— uh, I mean, this is why it, it's like Lacan starts with, um, you know, we enter into like a world of, of language and, and that uh, is a, we're in a profound position of lack. Uh, and it's a lack of understanding basic words and also not, and really it, it not like not understanding. Like you can understand the words literally, but it's like, you know, it's just things that I, I, I don't know. I don't know if everyone has had this kind of experience, but like where you say something that's fine to say when you're at home, but you said it somewhere else. (laughs) And then it's like, but I I thought it was, but why? And it's like what you've missed, of course, is like, it's, it's not actually the, the, the words, you know, the words fine. It's like, it's like, what do they, what do they signify and how do they signify differently? And then you start to like that, that starts to, to sound like a signifier represents the subject to another signifier, like it, like you, you start to right and and right. and this whole uh, this whole aspect to like to you know to to steal a um a, a phrase of uh, Zizek's, it's this this the idea from Freud that um it may indeed be questioned whether we have any memories at all from our childhood memories relating yeah. to our childhood may it all may be all that we possess. It's impossible that he didn't read Lacan. Like, like that's like, like, it's just the, the right, way that he's right, talking right. about relation here is, uh, and, 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 and again with like signification and memory is just like, it's, it's fantastic. It's, it's, and it's, yeah, and it's it, it, and well anticipates, um, Lacan to the point, I just, it's almost suspicious that he doesn't talk about this essay. Um, but, but anyway, right. but yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to just like final thing connecting this. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Oh, okay. So when I was in the hospital, uh, after the, uh, when I started to be conscious and uh, I met with um, a ther- all manner of therapists like every day um, for, for a little while. And uh, I asked one of the speech therapists, whose name I do not remember, um, that why I couldn't remember her name, even though I saw her every day, like because it was it really bothered me. And I felt really, yeah. I felt really, really bad about it because sure. there were all these people who were taking care of me. And it's just like a right, you know. Yeah, it's terrible. Is t- yeah. yeah, and so, and so she explained to me, and I don't know if if there are any, uh, if if anyone who has has an interest in uh, neuropsychology or is in neuroscience or or whatever, I'm sure sure what I'm about to say is like, um, oh, it's probably what I'm about to say is probably like how um, there aren't really five senses. You know, there's like so many other because we have a sense of cold and heat and like these, right. you know, whatever. Right. Um, so maybe what I'm about to say is like this, but what this. Uh, speech therapist who was speaking to someone with brain damage who was healing th- explained to me at the time that there are three stages of memory uh, and there's uh, it goes like this there's ins- uh, inscription the, uh, and recording 
is right. something happening to you? Is it written down somewhere in your brain? Like, is is it recorded at all? Um, then is it stored somewhere? Uh, and then can you recall it? So those are, so it's three things. It's like, right. and what they were trying to work out, this is what they explained to me, is that where was the breakdown for me? Were things not being recorded? Were, th- were things not being stored? Or was it, I, I couldn't recall them. Because they're all discrete processes right, right, in the brain. It. Yeah. And what I think, I don't remember what they concluded, if I'm being honest. <laughs> so maybe the problem is storage. Uh, or re- I don't know uh, how you separate the two because I'm not right. a, a speech uh, a therapist. But so, but what I find really interesting is that, so uh, one of the questions I asked you while we were doing this, this uh, setting up this episode is, is, does Freud ever talk about memory like this again? And he kind of doesn't, but there, but he does... This is very much about recall, if we're talking about the three stages of of memory. He does another time talk about the other two in uh, A Note Upon the Mystic Writing Pad, which is all about inscription and storage. And so that that essay is not... I don't know the word memory. I mean, maybe it does. I just... But it's about memory, for sure. Yeah, it's about memory. Well, it's about, like, how how is... Yeah, exactly. How is consciousness, like, encoded? And, and like, and, and really, that's about, like you know, we have these traces. And so it's interesting that, um, that he doesn't, he's, he's moved in that essay. You can kind of see where he's moved so much farther into a more systematic line of thinking. He talks about like the perceptive system and the, 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 the UCS, the unconscious, like it's much more systematic. And I think for him, I think he would think more scientific, but I think that there's something in the more, because this is an this, this very much these are ideas in progress in this essay. There's something mm-hmm. more uh, exciting and again, and I think more dialectical, and, and they, it becomes a little more um, maybe perhaps too systematic in uh, a note upon a mystic writing pad, which uh, an essay I love, and I'm sure we'll talk you about. It. Yeah. I'm sure we'll talk yeah. about it in the series at some point. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I just I find it interesting, like like that he's like. He has some. He has some words uh, to say, like some ideas for like this. Uh, these th- th- this this notion of memory, at, like at at each of these like three different discrete stages that I, that um, manifests in, in more contemporary science. I just I just I just find flat. It's amazing. I just find it interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, <sighs> yeah. He he. Yeah. I I you know I I I'm I have to say that even what's so great is even you confront just a little essay by Freud that he probably himself viewed as like a, just a little one-off thing he was doing. Mm-hmm. And you're just, it's stunning really mm-hmm. what he can, what he can do. So I, I don't know. That's, that's my, I also think there's a way in which, and this is my lesson. <laughs> okay. It's, it's a, uh, it, don't you think the movie Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, mm-hmm. I probably said that's been my lesson before, but I think, <laughs> I think that really, have, yeah. I think I have, but it's really like, that seems like a film that really confronts mm-hmm. this idea that the truth in the true memories are hiding something traumatic mm. in, in terms of, uh, you know, and that, they, and that, that it's truth that actually is what's obscuring, not fantasy. So I think that that's, I, I, I love the idea. And I think that it's, um, it makes this essay worth exploring because Freud never comes back to it. Never. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. uh, we will come back to uh, uh, Freud's uh, papers, uh, a, a major and a minor, uh, a, a biggie and a smallie, a, uh, a, a top hit and a hipster pick uh, at some point in the future. Um, sometime in the future. Sometime in the future. Yeah. Uh, thanks so much, Todd. Yeah, over and out, Ryan. Over and out, Todd. <laughs>